Father, we bless you. We pray in Jesus' name, these that have been mentioned for healing. We pray for healing. We also pray for favor and grace in these that are in need of jobs and situations they're in, each and every one. We also pray that your hand of protection would be upon us. But dear God, the healing that you started, because by his stripes we've been healed, we have that. And dear God, today we know, we claim that in Jesus' name for each and every one of these that have been mentioned today. We pray for strength, your power. We pray today that people would come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And dear God, today they would surrender and say, Jesus, take my life, take my all. And dear God, today they would uh, certainly experience salvation. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We lift these to you today. And we call upon the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews. We're going to be in Hebrews, I think, for the next couple of weeks um, uh, as we look at this. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. We'll look at verses 4 through 6 to begin with. I want us to examine ourselves today, and this is a warning to examine whether or not we are in the faith. Have we received Jesus? And I mean received him into our hearts. I'm not just saying given an intellectual Agreement or assent, yes, it begins by confessing that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Yes, that's true. And he says, and you shall be saved. But this is obviously testing the reality of our salvation. If you look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through 6. For it's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and not him to an open and put him to an open shame. Okay. Read it again. For it's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. Because if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Have you ever been around anybody that says one thing, but yet their actions are completely different? You ever heard the expression, hey, they walk the walk of faith. You know, they they walk, obviously, what they have spoken. The reality of something in their lives is different because they walk it, because you see it every day. But you also see the others and saying, oh, yeah, and I'll be honest with you, I've mentioned this many times when I did hospice all those years, most people, if they weren't of another religion, said that they were Christian. And I would go in, and only God knows our hearts, certainly, but there would be no evidence of that. There would be no evidence of a changed life. There would be no fruit that would be that would be bared. And, and, all, and I would say, well, have you, you know, what church do you attend? Oh, I don't need church church doesn't save you. I said, I know the church doesn't save you. But what is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, I believe in God. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. 
and a lot of people do. And so I would begin to delve at times where certainly the, the people and the Spirit of God allowed me to do that, and yet we see they had never really come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe what we're talking about here today is it looks like this person or persons as he, or a person that the Word of God is spoken of here today is actually something we want to talk about. So I hope that you examine your hearts today because we don't ever know the time when God will call us home. And that time could be quicker, it could be sooner. I believe we're living in a very, very perilous times. I believe that things could happen. We know the situation with North Korea. We know the situation with terrorists. We see, obviously, riots that took place in Charlottesville, Virginia, here yesterday, and the things that are happening. We see uh, attitudes. We see uh, things that are happening that, that are happening. It seems like things are escalating, things that picking up. Jesus coming back again? Maybe so. He could. And we know the Word of God bears that out. We don't know. But I want to be ready, and I want you to be ready today. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to every life in this place in Jesus' name. Now, the most challenging here of this scripture is always something that's challenged me. Because I am a believer in, if you're saved, and you've been born again of the Spirit of God, that you have been adopted into the family, that once saved, you're always saved. Now, you may drift, and there may be times when, you know, you sort of like don't, or don't have the zeal down in your heart for the things of God like you did once did, but you know that you believed upon Jesus, you realize there is no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. And so there's a tension here in understanding what all of this means. And when you look to, to see how to interpret this passage of Scripture, for those who have once been enlightened, those who have tasted, those who have been partakers of the Holy Spirit, those who, who really have, have looked like they were Christians, those who, who have actually uh, kind of uh, been in church probably all their lives, or maybe they haven't, but yet they say they have. And how do you look at the scripture and how do you ex sort of interpret what this says? And one of the ways of interpretation is, is you take certainly a scripture that is less clear and you somehow with scripture and uh, you look at it from the standpoint of those that are more clear and in the whole context of the Bible. And some people would say, yeah, but this contradicts what you're talking about here, Jim. The Word of God never contradicts itself. It's the infallible, inerrant Word of God. It was breathed in the people, and they penned what the Holy Spirit gave them. And so it was from the heart of God, and there is no error in the Word of God. But there's sometimes challenging scriptures exactly what does this mean and how does that mean. So we're going to interpret it basically and those, this which is less clear, and we're going to look at those things that are really clear about salvation. Because salvation is by grace and guaranteed to believers in Jesus Christ. It's guaranteed. It teaches that a true believer is eternally secure in their salvation when they have truly believed in Ephesians chapter 1. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked, you were marked in him with a seal, a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. God does not want us fumbling through life 
wondering whether or not we're saved or not. Now, I'm not saying at times we need to make sure, examine our hearts, because it, it's actually encouraging when we examine our hearts and we look and say, I have made and I have accepted Christ and his sacrifice at Calvary, his resurrection. I have received him into my heart, and, and I know that I'm saved. I know that I know. I've confessed that Jesus is Lord, and I want to follow him. I don't do that perfectly, but my, the bent of my heart is towards following Jesus, just what Al said earlier here. And when a person is truly believed in Christ, they're given the Holy Spirit. And God says through Paul that the indwelling Holy Spirit in a person's life is a deposit that guarantees our salvation. It is God through his spirit that guarantees our salvation, not us. What we do is we slip into that realm of saying, well, if I kind of feel spiritual today and I'm kind of doing the things that God, I believe, wants me to do today and so forth, and then maybe the next day you don't feel quite like you were as spiritual as you were the day before and all that, and you're going, am I saved? I mean, you know, I'm kind of, you know, and all you... And so there's a sort of a tension between the two there. 2 Corinthians says this, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Again, we see it's God that makes us firm and guarantees our salvation when we've truly believed in Christ through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so the overall teaching of the New Testament is that salvation is given not because you deserve it, but by God's grace when you have put your hope and your trust in him. We do not deserve salvation. We deserve damnation. We deserve to go to hell. But Jesus stood in the gap and he came in and he reconciled us with God through his shed blood. And so we don't deserve it. The devil will tell you, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve any blessings of the Lord. Look at you. here, All this stuff. Well, a lot of times we slip into that and there's what we call or what we think of as those works we do and so forth. And, and the Bible says they're like filthy rags to the Lord. It is God who guarantees that we're saved. Ephesians 2 says, For it's by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can, can boast. You can do nothing to deserve salvation except believe in Jesus. And since you did nothing to deserve it, there's no sin that you can commit to lose the salvation that you did not deserve in the first place. That's good, right? Didn't deserve it in the first place. We fall and stumble. We want to confess our sins so we can open the fellowship up. What I'm talking about here is when you're born again, you can't be unborn again. Okay. You can't be unsaved. You can't be cut loose there and so forth. So there is an interpretation here of what this is saying for those that were once enlightened here. Now, the author here doesn't say that people he's talking about have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, that they have been born again, that they have been predestined, that they have been reconciled, that they have been forgiven, uh, that they have even believed. It doesn't say that at all. It said they've been enlightened. They've been enlightened. But what it does say is they've been enlightened and tasted the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit and tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. So we see here is that certainly 
there seems to be, well, what is it all about here? And so we see here in these verses, instead of being about a person who is truly saved, it's about a person who has heard the word, has seen the truth of it and its power, and has not yet trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've seen it, been in church all their lives. They've heard that. They've been around church folk. They've been around the religious system for a long time. And they've never, ever received Jesus Christ into their hearts. So they're saved and born again. Well, we see here what the word enlightened is. Actually, I believe you could say when we're enlightened, it means the Spirit of God has revealed it to your hearts. It means that, that somehow the Spirit has given what's called the Rema Word of God. The revealed Word of God to their hearts. And they realize, oh, I'm a sinner. I realize those things in my life are, are, were sin against the Holy God. And then at the same time, he begins to shift and say, oh, and you begin to cry out to the grace of God. And you realize that Jesus is the only way to be forgiven of your sins, you see. Because if we stayed in that, that depressed state of seeing that we're sinners and there was nothing offered to us or forgiveness of our sins today, we would be pitiful. It would be bad, I want to tell you. But at the same time, God shows you there's a way out. And his name is Jesus. And the Spirit of God, how beautiful he is, how awesome the Spirit of God is as he begins to work this together, to bring it all together, to bring you and I and those who believe to salvation. You see, today is that we are enlightened to the hope we find in the gospel. And we respond to it by receiving Jesus. And then it happens before we receive Christ. It's necessary to be able to respond and receive Christ. We need enlightenment so that we can come to a place of receiving Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 3, saying, Firmly from infancy... You have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ here. And we see in this passage the enlightenment and, and all what's happening here in this person. They've been enlightened. There's been a revelation to their hearts. They've been, there's something the Spirit has done in their life and, and yet they have not said, I want Jesus in my life. We see here about tasted the heavenly gift. They've read the word of God. They, uh, they, I believe, in some way or another, believe it and all, but they've never received it here because the word of God is a treasure, a gift from heaven to us to tell us of the hope that is available through Jesus Christ. You know, I've heard, and even recently, people are reading the word of God right now, and they're receiving Christ into their lives. There's a country that I heard of, and it's slipping my mind right now. It's one that, uh, obviously, well-known, but they, they don't have Bibles. And they're asking for people to bring Bibles in. And you know what? I've probably got about 15 Bibles. I don't mean how many you have. But this place, they're saying, well, all we want is one Bible. Just give us one Bible and let us read the Bible. Let us read the Word of God. And you know, uh, a friend of mine who is of Indian descent, he goes into Nepal and that was uh, predominantly Buddhist and some other mixture of religions and so forth. And he's taken thousands upon thousands and thousands of Bible into Nepal. He's got a home for the homeless children because of the earthquake that happened some years ago. And he's placed a home in there. And they have an orphanage. And he's sending Bibles in there, in their language, so they can read it. 
And people come to salvation just by reading the word. But you've got to receive. You've got to believe and then receive. You've got to be enlightened. And you and I, before we came to Christ, if you're saved in this place today, in enlightenment, you had the revealed word of God. And this is a warning that the writer of Hebrews is talking about here. Because the Spirit has revealed truth. And he's drawn us to the Lord. That's why we're saved. The only way you can come to the Lord as the Spirit leads you and begins to draw you. Because the Bible says no one comes to the Father except that the Spirit draws them. So we responded because we were enlightened here. Let's remember here what the author here in Hebrews doesn't say. He hasn't said the Spirit of truth lives with you and will be in you. He hasn't said... You are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. He hasn't said that you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit at all in this passage at all here. And the author says, you've shared in the Holy Spirit. They believe in one way or another that, that the Spirit of God can guide you. They've tasted the goodness in the Word of God and the powers in the age to come. They've seen miracles. They've seen God working. This, this person, persons, anyone who is in this category... He's saying, we've seen all of it. It's like they're almost, almost a Christian. And you know what I want to say today is it's almost like it's someone who came in the church that was in the church for some while and they began to backslide and they left the church. The church doesn't save you. But it's an indication that you want fellowship and you want to come together in the community of faith today. And they never entered the church again. You know what it could be also is it could be a person. You know what? I, I think I received Jesus when I was young and all. It was emotional and, and I walked the aisle down there. And maybe my, uh, my family member said that, uh, you know, you need to go down there. And I, I, I took their word at it and I walked the aisle and, and I got baptized and I did this and that and so forth. But I, I'm not sure if I'm saved today. I don't really know if I've, I've received Jesus Christ into my life today. And you see, they've been enlightened. They've tasted the goodness of God's word. They partake, took in of the Holy Spirit of God. But yet, they were right there and they didn't step across and give their hearts to Jesus. He says, that if that's the case, you see, it can be a dangerous place. They've not truly believed yet and received Jesus. They turn away from the Lord and the truth of the message of the gospel. And the Bible says there's no hope for them for ever coming back to this point again. And how is that possible? I don't know. But I know the word of God says it. I believe in the grace of God and thank God for his grace in my life. Because I walked away many times. I did things I'm not, ashamed, I'm not proud of. But I want to tell you, God and his mercy and his grace, and I believe in that today. But there comes a point in a person's heart when the, the soul of their hearts becomes so hardened that they no longer hear the Holy Spirit tapping upon their hearts. And they say, no, 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 so long. And the Spirit of God turns away. And they can no longer hear. Uh, <clears throat> Jerry talked about it in Sunday school today. He talked about that. And so we see here today something we need to take this time to examine ourselves. Look at Judas. Judas hung around with Jesus for almost three years. His teaching, he saw, and he even possibly performed miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. But he wasn't really a true believer. 
You remember the parable of the sower, Matthew 13? The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places but had no root, and he lasts only a short time, and when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. He's saying here, the seed of the word is there. People have heard the word. People have heard about Jesus. It may have only been at Christmas time, but they've heard about Jesus. That little seed is there. But the heart, the, the heart is so hard and, and all that place that the seed lands is so hard. It doesn't take root. The person doesn't get received salvation at all. Remember Matthew 7. He says that even though they know he is Lord and they say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. But Jesus says to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. They were never a true believer. Only they knew the truth. But they had never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Something to think about, isn't it? They were right there. What was it, a rich young ruler there? He came to Jesus. He said, what must I do to be saved? Jesus said, sell all you got. And you know what? Give it to the poor, I believe. And he said, I can't do that. He was right there. He was right there. And I'm afraid today that there could be people all over, and I know there are. It's got to be. We'd be packed out. They'd have been right there. They'd been in church at times. They'd been even maybe to a funeral service, and, and the pastor presented the, the plan of salvation, and they heard it. They didn't, open, didn't come into church anymore. Never heard the word of God. They didn't have their faith. They didn't come to that place, but they walked away, and they never can. And they turned against. They turned away from the Lord. They heard it, and they were enlightened. They tasted the word of God. They saw the power of God. They saw their neighbors, that they, uh, or their hearts were changed, but they never really received Jesus. You see, today, God is saying, we better be ready. He's saying today, if you don't know you're saved, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Because we've heard the word, haven't we? And we haven't done, and we have never really at times maybe received. There, there are people that have not received. You know how you know if you're, if you're saved or not? Because the reality of our salvation is confirmed by perseverance. Perseverance doesn't save you. Jesus does. But if you're saved, you'll persevere. You see, that's why I'm afraid of those who maybe have tasted the goodness of the Lord and have walked in and, and then they left and they never, ever came back in. They didn't persevere. They walked away from the things of God and they, can't, they, they won't come back. Because the Bible says that, that they won't. They can't come back to repentance because they crucified the Son of God all over again. Perseverance will prove, will show you because if you are saved, you will not fall away. There'll be something. You may be disciplined, and God disciplines us. We have not arrived, all right? We're not perfect. Let me make that clear. There's forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 tells us we confess. And God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. But the question is, are we persevering? Are we saying, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my stand because I'm saved. I believe Jesus is my Lord and Savior. You see, you know what's going to happen in tribulation? You come to Jesus in the tribulation. I believe the church is going to be out of here. The rapture is going to take us out. So we won't experience the tribulation. We may, <clears throat> we may experience turmoil and persecution. Jesus said you will if you believe in me. You'll have rejection. People are going to reject you and me. If we're standing for Jesus, you're going to be rejected. There'll be some that will turn away from you. Some will curse you. Some will, will come against you. 
But let me tell you, in the tribulation, when they accept Christ, they'll be believers. If people accept Christ in the tribulation, they will be martyred. They will be killed. Because a large portion of mankind will be killed during the tribulation. The Antichrist will see that. But right now, I'm talking about who we are right in this place. If we've been enlightened and we've tasted the goodness of the Lord. We've seen God is good. We believe Jesus Christ came and he died for my, my sins. We said that the day is the day of salvation that we receive. We believe upon him and we take him into our lives. He comes in and changes us because the second evidence of our salvation is fruit. Are you seeing fruit in your life? Love, joy, peace, kindness, long-suffering, patience. All these things are being built in our lives. Do you love one another? You know what? I, I, my, I, my whole life is that before I go home to be with the Lord, and I don't ever know what time that will be, but I do know one thing. My whole hope is, and we say we love one another, but let me come and let me demonstrate that love to others. I can tell you I love you, but when the going gets tough and, and so forth, and it takes a sacrifice of mine, am I demonstrating that love, you see? That's what love is. It's a sacrifice. You give up. You deny yourself and take up your cross daily and you follow Jesus, you see. I deny my plans. I deny who I am. And I take up my cross daily and walk and follow after Jesus wherever he leaves. And that calls for our demonstration. That calls for me earnestly saying, I will put my feet to what I'm saying. If you bear fruit, got to produce fruit always there you see Matthew 13 says the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out making it unfruitful but the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word understands it and he produces a crop yielding a hundred sixty or thirty times what was sown? A believer will, will produce fruit. A believer will persevere through the tough times. You know, remember the children there coming out of Egypt? It got tough because they didn't like Moses. They didn't like Aaron. They didn't like the desert. You know, they were given everything they needed. They were given manna every morning. They didn't like having, obviously, to wait upon the Lord, obviously come out and see the manna rain down from heaven. Remember, because God said, if you take up more than what you can eat in that one day, it will rot. It will be putrid because we take it in, we gather it in. And what that is, a demonstration that actually God was calling his people to depend upon him. But when things got rough, and here comes Pharaoh with all his chariots and the big army there and so forth, and they're right, nipping right on the heels of the Israelites, the Hebrew children, nipping on them. Remember what they said? Let us go back to Egypt. Let us go back where the leeks and the onions and the garlic are. I mean, we were good. They had forgotten that they were in slavery. Let's don't persevere. Let's go back to our old life. Let's go back and sort of get into those things that we used to. I mean, they seem to me at this point to bring more satisfaction. And that's a lie straight from the devil. You persevere and you stand firm. You know, you've heard me speak of steadfastness. And you stand steadfastness in the Lord. Because without that today, you know, my, my faith is, is obviously not solid in Jesus actually what I'm doing is 
I put my strength in myself. Because you can't do these things that I'm telling you today. Only the Spirit of God can do that in your life. But you'll persevere if you're a true Christian. You won't fall away. You may somehow, you know, kind of get in the wrong ditch. But you'll come out of it. Because God's re repentance will be there. And his loving kindness draws us to repentance. Not the wrath of God. The loving kindness of God. This man or persons here is a person that never received Christ. That's what it's talking about. So when I talk about can you lose your salvation if you're saved, I don't believe you can. And I believe the word of God bears that out. But if you've skirted around the edges, you've dabbled in it, you've seen a lot of stuff, but you've never really asked Jesus into your life, you see, he's saying today, it may come a point where, obviously, you can't repent and you can't come back to him. What's God up to? God's up to bringing back people into the church house, into the kingdom of God. They're there, but they've sort of like, whatever's happened to them in their lives, they begin to drift away. And maybe somehow some have really received Christ. Maybe some have not. Some, some have sort of like, well, the world looks, you know, a lot better to me. I like the things of the world. You know, the Bible says, if you love the world, then the things of God's not in you. He said, get the world out of us. Becomes, become consumed with Jesus, you see. He's not, he's not looking for just people that will give a mental assent, agreement. He's looking for followers of Jesus. He's looking for people who will give up their lives and sacrifice and walk with him. Wherever he leads, I will follow. That's what he's looking for in people today. But you see, today says that today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts and rebel against the Lord. Because what you're saying is, I believe this is not the truth, you see. There are people today that are saying, this is not the truth, and this is not the way I come to salvation. I come to salvation the way I want to. And they're our own little gods. They believe in all types of things. I talked about it, pantheistic and all. They believe trees are God. They believe all this stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about Jesus Christ as Lord. Because one day you and I will face him. One day you and I will stand before him and give an account for what we've done here on this earth if we're saved. We'll be before the, the judgment seat of Christ. And those who are not saved will go before the great white throne of, of God. And they'll be. And, and yes, they'll give account of their works. But they'll be cast out into utter darkness. I'm talking about something so serious today. As we examine our hearts in this place and realizing today, have we been enlightened? Have we just tasted? Or do we, have we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Well, if you're worried about maybe you have, then, then you have not crossed that line. Isn't that good news? Sounds contradictory, but it's not. You're worried about it, you can accept Jesus into your heart this day and say, I need you, Jesus. I need you, and you're my only way to heaven. And you're my Lord and Savior. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And come into my life and save me. And be my Lord and Savior. And when that happens, he begins to uh, do something as far as bearing fruit in your life. 
He does something in your life. He changes you and I. We see life differently. We know that when we hit hard times, that we're not going to buckle under the load. We know we'll persevere through the times that are rough and all, and we'll keep turning to Him no matter what. And you know what we'll do in the midst of all that tribulation? We'll give Him praise and we'll give Him thanksgiving. And we'll honor His name no matter what. Is that you today? Is that you? That's what He's calling us to today. So, if you haven't received Christ today, is the day of salvation. I'm going to close with this. Just for a few moments. What I believe God's doing, two things that I mentioned a couple weeks ago. I said that the cloud's moving, and we are. And these things that I've talked to you before the service started, they're pressing. They're, they're uh, pushing us, so to speak, in that way. To step out. But what God is doing is calling you and I to radical faith. Radical faith. The Bible talks about it there because I believe God is doing something very special in our lives and in this church. Because God is challenging us to believe again. If you don't have the zealousness like a little child, then I want to encourage you, listen to the last segment of what I'm going to talk about here because I believe you can be restored. You know, little children there, they just love Jesus when they get saved. They accept Jesus and all. And, and um, I got a little email from a friend of mine yesterday. She showed it to me. And, and her daughter, they're out in Washington State right now. And their parents are strong Christians. And she's a little girl who's three years old. And evidently, she was holding a, a balloon. And, and, and all in her balloon, went. she let it go. And it went up into the sky. And uh, she was kind of sad about it and all. And uh, Angie, her mother, said, uh, boy, that's, that can, that's, that's really tough because you wanted that balloon and all and stuff filled with helium, of course. And all you wanted that, yes, and, and all that. And then she, that little girl turned around and she said this, but I'm not going to allow the devil to steal my joy. Amen. Three years old. You got the same attitude? The same zealousness. You got the same drive down deep, the same zeal. Or maybe somehow you've lost that radical faith I'm talking about. You say, what's that look like, Jim? Well, a good example would be when Peter was in the boat, remember? And Jesus came to him on the water. What did Peter do? He got out of the boat. Y'all have heard that in church, if you're church folk, all your lives. I'm talking about Peter got out of the boat. And you say, yeah, but isn't that just sort of a legend and so forth? No, that actually happened. Peter got out of the boat. The scriptures, I believe. You see, you and I, when radical faith kicks in and we, we come back to where we should be with God, is that we'll get out of the boat. God wants... To interrupt our unbelief. <laughs> God wants to interrupt our unbelief. And some, I believe, have a wounded faith because they've been disappointed. They've been discouraged. It's a wounded faith. And what's happened as a result of that, we've drawn back. Hebrews 10 says, he says, don't be like those who have drawn back because I don't take pleasure in them. We've drawn back. You see, we haven't stepped out in faith we haven't stood there on the edge and walked with God like little children. And the Bible says we come to Jesus like, with, like little children. And we come with that freedom and worship and zealousness for the Lord, desire to hunger for Him, a passion for the Lord.
you see, our heart has to be steadfast because God never changes. Our experience does not change who God is. If you've been disappointed and you're in here today and somehow maybe you, something's happened in your life and maybe uh, a loved one was taken from you or maybe you didn't answer your prayers the way you thought he should be and so forth and so forth, let me tell you, just because that maybe God didn't answer the way that you thought he would, it doesn't change who God is. And when you begin to risk for the Lord to step out and get out of the boat sometimes, you know, we won't hear correctly, certainly. We don't do it intentionally. But we begin to move out in faith because faith pleases and moves the heart of God. And when we move away from that radical faith, we somehow we lose that zealousness because we, had, uh, we somehow allowed disappointment or discouragement or depression or any of those things to come in. And you see, the soil of our hearts has been altered when we're disappointed. We're to bear fruit from an act of faith because God is calling us back to faith. And disappointment will cause us to displace our courage, doesn't it? I mean, disappointment will. You know, it won't be courageous. You won't share. You won't be bold in your faith. You won't tell people about the Lord. You won't give a prophetic word to somebody because you're, you're, you're damaged you know why? It's because your faith is lined up with something other than God. And what God is doing is he's realigning our faith with him. We sometimes align our faith with fear and all these other things. Because the devil wants you and I to be afraid of risking and getting out of the boat. The devil says, you stay in that boat. Don't you do that. Don't you know? What are people going to say? What's the church? What's what anybody, the community is going to say? What are they going to say and so forth? Don't you do that. That's not, the, that's not the Lord. The Lord doesn't change. But until you and I accept our call to walk by faith and not by sight, we'll continue to stay in the same thing. And I don't want to stay like that. I want to have childlike faith. Children just, they, get, they don't worry about their provision, do they? They just come and put their arms up there. Daddy and Mama picks them up. You know, little Rex, he's not worrying about a thing. He runs around there. He runs everywhere to begin with. I don't know how. It looks like me. I'd lose weight if I ran like that. But he runs everywhere. He runs everywhere. He has no worries. All he wants is another tractor or another truck, another boy thing, and all and so forth. And, and you know, of course, Cindy obliges. <laughs> He doesn't worry about anything. His mom and daddy are going to take care of him. And take care of him all the time. You know? That's the way we should be, isn't it? We've lost that sometimes. It's this connection. Because what God wants to come, and he wants to interrupt our unbelief. Believe God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that I have these plans for you. Plans not to harm you, but plans to give you hope and a future. Do you believe that? Has God ever, ever, ever let you down? He maybe hasn't done what you told ask him to. But in reality, as you begin to look, has he ever, ever let you down? You know, see here, we've, dis we've connected with things that are not of God. You know, what if I lose my job? What if I, I, what if I, I, I mean, I don't have the, the finances to pay for my rent. What if I don't have this? What if, you know what stifles the spirit of God? The what ifs and the but, but, but. Amen. What if? 
call to walk in radical faith. If we've lost our joy, we've been disconnected from our faith. Well, what if it doesn't work here? Luke 19. Rather than taking a risk, they drew back. What if it doesn't work? And, you know, God will still be on the throne. He's not moving, is he? What if it doesn't work? What about what you, as you begin to do things in your family, what if it doesn't work? I believe God's called me to do this. And you step out. What if it doesn't work? God doesn't change. He still loves you, doesn't he? Is he going to take and pull back? No, I believe he honors your faith when you step out. Legalism is a demon. Legalism is a demon. It is still your intimacy with God. You know why? It's because of self-focus on how I can perform to get God's favor. And what you do is you boot grace out the door. It's grace, grace, God's grace. Legalism, you've got to perform. I've got to do this. I've got to be this way. I've got to do that. You can't be yourself. Before long, you're all bound up. God made you the way you are and me the way I am. If I'm not acting out that out, that somehow legalism's got in, thinking that somehow if I do this and perform this way or that way, that maybe people will accept me. I love you all. But your acceptance does not change my position in Christ, right? You see, the place of worship is where faith is healed. The Bible says that, that Jesus always leads us in triumphal procession. He says always, always, always. And he's calling us back to a restoration of hope, to align our faith with God. Do you have a dream? Then tell God. Say, I'm going to stand. Do not budge from the position you're at. You have a vision? Stand firm. Believe it. Trust in it. And may, just, God says that all of his promises are what? Yes and amen. All of them. And when he's giving you something on your word, don't budge from it. You see, people have a vision. They believe in that. We haven't seen revival the way I believe we're going to see it. Do I give up? Heaven forbid, no. I keep pressing in. And he's calling us the radical faith. He wants something to happen so special in our lives. Because it's impossible to please God without faith. If you've been enlightened here, you have um, tasted the good experienced his power and maybe somehow you've obviously you're partnered with the Holy Spirit but you never ever said Jesus come into my life and save me I want you as my Lord and Savior I believe today something's happened today I didn't know it would happen today I didn't plan on I didn't plan on coming in here today but today I'm asking you to come into my heart and save me I don't want to get to a point where my, the sole of my heart is so hard that I can't hear you knocking. I ask you to come in and forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and Savior. Today is the day, right now, if you're about your heads. Today is the day of salvation. If that's spoken to you right now, just receive Christ into your heart. Take that step of faith.
and say, I want you. I, I've, I've kind of dabbled in the things of God, and I really do. I, you know, I, but my heart's been far away from you, Lord, but I want you to be at the center of my heart. The day may be the day you just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me. Deliver me. I'll stop listening to the lies of the devil, and I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice that day. Anybody that's made the decision can always talk to me afterwards. I will stay and talk to you. I will stay and talk to you about anything that is on your heart that you believe God. I will, I will help you in any way I can to instruct, to guide, to pray with you, to help you in this journey that you're walking in right now. Because everyone here is on that journey. And God has brought you here for such a time as this. said earlier, followers, followers of Jesus. The day may day be the day that you make that commitment. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time together. And, and even, uh, oh Lord, your words are awesome. And we love you, we praise you. And we just want to know the, the reality of the security that we have in Christ anyone here who's not, today would be the day they make that, they go ahead and settle in their hearts and say, Jesus, come into my heart and save me. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I've sinned and I realize it because you've revealed it to me. I want to walk with you. I don't want to dabble in the things of God. I want to follow heart after Christ. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Today, Father, we pray you solidify that on our hearts. Make yourself known. Healing is of the Lord. By his stripes we have been healed. Isaiah chapter 53. By his stripes. If you need healing, you can, Lord, go before the Lord and, and, and seek him on it. And then believe him and, and believe for God for what his word says today. Trust him. He'll never, ever turn away. And even when we risk and get out of the boat, sometimes, you know, even Peter, remember, began to sink, sink, and, and Jesus came over and picked him up. He didn't chastise him at all. He picked him up. He didn't let him drown. And that's for us today. He's calling you and I to risk a deeper level of stepping out of the boat. That's what he's saying. And we know that even though along the way we may have ditches here and there, but let me tell you, our God rules and reigns. And our God never changes because we step out in faith. I believe God honors that. Not that we're obviously not seeking Him. We want to seek Him. But I believe God will honor that as we believe and trust in Him. Do this this day, Father. Impart radical faith. Realign our faith with You. We trust in Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay.